Hey, hey, and welcome to episode 26 of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Our show today is brought to you by TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is a hosted website builder that allows you to quickly and easily get a clean and professional website up and running for your computer or tech-focused business. Save time and frustration with TechSite Builder. Learn more at TechSiteBuilder.com. Today, we talk about five branding mistakes to avoid with Derek Champagne, founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution and author of Don't Buy a Duck. We'll learn about what branding is, why it's important, lessons we can learn from the mistakes that even the big brands have made, and finally, what's up with the title of his book. Plus, we'll learn about the best places to get reviews and why you should not be yourself when searching for your business on Google. All that and so much more coming up right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Computer Business Marketing Show. If you own or work in an IT services business, this is the place to learn how to get more clients, keep them happy, and grow your revenue. You can watch, download, and or subscribe to all show episodes at computerbusinessmarketing.com. All right, guys, uh, I'm very excited today. We're going to have an awesome show. I'm finally back from my hiatus uh, of a few weeks, so we're going to get back into the routine of doing the live shows, um, and you'll get some fresh topics uh, now. Um, so I'm glad to be back. I've been away uh, on a trip to uh, pretty much the opposite side of the world. I went to Japan and Korea for a few weeks um, and had a lot of fun uh, enjoying uh, the sushi. <laughs> if that's your thing, that is my thing. So um, that was very cool. And all of the other interesting food uh, that's over there. And um, yeah, it's been great to be back. If you're my friend on Facebook, you saw all the pictures I was posting. Um, I went to a lot of cool places. Uh, so if you're not my friend on Facebook, hop on over to Facebook, find me, friend me. I accept friend requests from everyone um, because all my listeners are my friends. <laughs> so uh, jump on over to Facebook uh, and uh, and hit me up. You can see all those pictures from my trip. Uh, but more importantly, uh, today we have Derek Champagne as our guest. He is uh, going to talk to us about branding. He's the founder and CEO of the Artist Evolution, which is a full-service agency uh, that builds memorable brands, marketing tools, and campaigns for startups uh, and brings them from startups to household brands. And so uh, we're going to have a lot of fun talking to him. Um, he's also the author of a best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And he's we're going to get into that title a little bit later. Um, also, he is the uh, host of the popular business leadership series podcast. So this guy knows his stuff and we're going to uh, let him school us on uh, what it takes to make an effective brand. Uh, and this is all stuff that we as computer business owners can uh, use and learn because really when we're trying to market our computer business, we want to um, have that brand consistency and we want people to recognize us and to uh, distinguish our businesses uh, apart from all the other computer shops that are out there. And uh, I think, Derek, you're going to do a good job of that. So thanks for being a guest. Man, thank you so much for having me, Matt. Your, your, your uh, travel sound awesome. I'm living through you the last few weeks, but that's, that's pretty exciting. Yes, yes, it, it definitely was. Um, it was, you know, it, it was, I, I think we all run into this struggle or we, we try to, to get to the point where we can take some time off from our business. And this was, I think, the longest I've taken away from, from my business since I started it, like wow. five years ago. So this, wow. this, it was definitely a milestone to, to have the processes and systems in place. And, and I have my VA helping me to uh, kind of keep, keep the, the, you know, the wheels turning while I was gone. Um, and, uh, it was a good, good test of, of how well the business could survive while I'm gone. And, you know, granted I did pop into email every now and then, and I did answer some support tickets and stuff. Uh, but for the most part, the, the business kept churning without me. And that was a, that was a great feeling. That's awesome. Yeah. That's an important part time in your business to be able to step away for a few minutes and see how it does without you. Yes, yes, and uh, and hey, it didn't it didn't explode. <laughs> Nobody got hurt, so uh, I, I think it was uh, all in all a, a success. It's great. Uh, hey, Colleen, I see uh, you, you left a comment there under the live video. Um, you, now, Colleen is a, a graphic designer friend of mine, uh, a web developer, and 
she uh, said that brand consistency is very important. And so consistency, I think, is key. And that's probably something we'll be getting into in the interview later on. Uh, but yes, Colleen, I definitely agree with that. Um, all right. So before we get into the interview with Derek, uh, like always, I just wanted to uh, take a quick peek into the Computer Business Marketing Facebook group and take a look and see what people have been talking about over there while I've been gone. <laughs> and uh, we've got some good conversations going on over there. Uh, if you want to join the Computer Business Marketing Facebook group, just uh, search for Computer Business Marketing in Facebook. Um, it's normally the first group that'll pop up there, and uh, you can request access. We'll let you in, and uh, a lot of good stuff going on in there. Um, something that that came up a couple times in the group here recently was folks were asking. Um, someone went in there and asked, you know, hey, do a Google search and see where my my business is showing up, or or search this keyword and and see what you you find. Um, a lot of people were uh, finding that their business was ranking well, but then when other people searched for it, it wasn't ranking well. And something that came out of that conversation was uh, a lot of times when you search for your own business, uh, Google will uh, take that into consideration and start to favor your business results in your own searches. Um, and it does that by keeping track of your logged in Google account. And then it will say, oh, hey, this person, you know, uh, searches for this particular business a lot, ABC computing, computing, say that's your business. Uh, hey, this person searches for ABC computing a lot. Um, let's, you know, let's be sure to start showing that result. Um, at the top of the the search results, and so you can get a false sense of your business doing better than it actually is in Google by by that happening. So someone brought up that it's really important to make sure that if you are wanting to get an idea of how your business is ranking in Google, to either log out of your Google account or better yet, use um, the incognito mode or the private browsing mode or whatever, uh, depending on the browser you're using. Um, use that uh, private mode to to search, and that'll you know it'll not use the cookies uh, and and your the tr- the tracking that it uses, um, and it should give you better results. Kind of the next level uh, step from that is, and, and I know you guys are IT guys, so you know how to do this, but is to set up some kind of proxy on your computer. That way it can appear as if you're searching Google from a totally different area of the country. Um, and that, or, or even your, your, your area, if you want to keep it in your area. And that's, that's the kind of the end all be all way to search Google and get an exact replica of what it would look like if some, some stranger in your area was looking for computer services. So just something to keep in mind if you're searching for your business in Google to see uh, how it ranks for certain keywords or, or whatever, um, you want to make sure you're doing that in private browsing or through a proxy so you're not take, Google's not favoring your business because you're the one searching for it. Also, uh, something that came up in the group is um, David asked a question about uh, hiring a freelance writer to write copy for your, your, uh, your website. And he said he got a quote from someone who was uh, offering to write a uh, copy for one dollar per word, um, and he he thought you know that was a little excessive uh, because that ends up you know being depending on the length of the post that can that could be close to a thousand bucks for for a blog post or you know uh, a web page um, for that kind of copy. Now he's looking for someone who can write SEO focused copy um, and you know someone who's good at it. Uh, so a lot of folks were chiming in saying that, you know, we as computer repair professionals or IT service professionals, we want people to respect the prices we set and we set good premium prices because we deliver great services and we know the value of what we deliver. Uh, so you got to kind of think of the same way when you're looking to hire professionals to do things in your business. Um, uh, copywriting is a great example of something that, you know, it takes skill, it takes Lots of experience. Um, there's a lot of nuance to it, especially when you're talking about search engine optimization and copy that you know gets people to buy or get excited about your services. Um, that's a skill that you you know should be willing to pay um, you know something to get that. Is, is have you seen that, um, Derek? As far as uh, yeah, absolutely. Copywriting that, does, that sounds a little high, a dollar a word, but I will say, and that that to me almost sounds like somebody's learning on. Learning, and they might be a great writer, but they're learning your industry. So I will say this: if right. you're paying a premium, continue to work with that same person 
and we just hired two copywriters today as freelancers and we're, we're spending about, I think $40 an article and they're really good at with the SEO side of it. But they, yeah. we picked people that knew the industry and so they're more efficient with it. And so, right. you know, just watch for that too, that it's somebody that knows the nuances of your particular business or you might end up paying more because it's going to take them longer to figure it out. Right. And yeah, and I'd say, yeah, a dollar per word, that's probably, you know, you'd have to expect a pretty good result from that. Because, uh, you know, and that you bring up a good point. You know, you want to find someone that is familiar with your industry because otherwise you're paying them to learn, basically. Right. And, and, and you know, that, that could, that might not be what you want to do, <laughs> especially if your, your budget is tight. Um, so yeah, definitely seek out those writers who are, uh, experienced in your industry because then they, first of all, they, they don't have to do the research. And second of all, they kind of know how to speak to your clients and know how to, how to turn, especially for IT, they know how to turn that technical jargon into something that's relatable to, to your end users and your clients. Right. Something to keep in mind. Yep. So, so that w- th- there was a good discussion on that post, though. A lot of back and forth and, and kind of controversial. And um, so that was, uh, that was interesting. And then, of course, people threw out like Fiverr and those, those very, um, you know, quote unquote, cheap places you can go to get uh, copywriting uh, or any kind of service. And, you know, you go to those places and, and take it with a grain of salt. You, you, you might have to end up spending more than $5 to get the result you need. Uh, but if you need something real quick and, and your budget's really tight, um, that's definitely a place you can go to, uh, to check out that stuff. Um, cool. And then finally, um, we had Jerry in the, uh, the Facebook group asking about uh, customer reviews. Um, she's always been directing clients to leave her reviews on Google, uh, but she was wondering if there's any place else that it's worth um, directing your clients to leave a review. Um, are there any other review sites or, or places that are worth it? Um, some folks uh, mentioned places, specialized places like Yelp and Angie's List, um, which are which are great. Um, and then, of course, a lot of folks mentioned Facebook. You can have uh, people can leave reviews for your business on Facebook. Um, and then there's Google. So there's lots of places and, and really the, the one person kind of summed it up great. And, and they said, you know, um, wherever you want, wherever clients you want clients to find you is where you want people to be leaving reviews. So if you're putting a lot of energy into your Yelp profile, then send folks to Yelp. If you're spending a lot of time on Facebook and building out your Facebook page, send people to leave a review on Facebook, same with Google. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a good kind of just thing to keep in mind is wherever send people to leave reviews where people are going to be finding you don't send them off someplace where, you know, you don't pay any attention to, or if, if you don't spend time on Yelp or people aren't finding you through Yelp, then that might not be the best place to send someone to leave a review. Um, and, uh, and then of course, uh, Dave Greenbaum, who was a guest on the show, uh, a few months ago, mentioned uh, that he he did a, a uh, an article about review funnel systems, where uh, you know you sign up for this this review funnel service, and it'll kind of automate the whole process of gathering uh, reviews from your clients. A client has a good experience, you you let them choose um, the place where where they're most comfortable leaving a review. Um, or if they have a bad experience, you funnel them back to you so that you can take care of that and and um, and fix whatever was wrong before they go leaving that bad. We review. did a few so, campaigns exactly like that today through mm. a funnel system, and we had a client that needed to increase their Google reviews. And if I can leave one other tip, and that is if you really know your customer base and if you're gathering their emails, which I want to encourage everybody to always be building your list, even if you think you don't need your emails down the road, you might. Uh, Google reviews are always going to be important. We know that because it helps us with our SEO. And so identify who has a Gmail account already. They're more likely to mm. click through, but if they have to sign up for a Gmail account, they may not. So segment your mailing list. And you might be able to specifically ask for a review just from those uh, customer base and you'll get a higher increase in returns. on that. Very cool. I like that. It's a ninja uh, move there that you can do in your, uh, whatever email marketing system you're using. I know right. MailChimp or whatever, you can segment um, those lists. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Great. So again, you know, join us in the Facebook group. A lot of great conversations like these are happening. Um, a lot of great topics folks are bringing up and these are all computer business owners like you who, who are struggling with the same things you are. And so instead of struggling alone, <laughs> let's struggle together and help each other out in the, the computer business marketing Facebook group. 
All right, guys, uh, before we jump into the featured topic, just want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, and that is TechSite Builder. TechSite Builder is the place you can go to get a website um, created for your computer business. Uh, it is a do-it-yourself platform, uh, which I think, you know, I, I, IT owners and computer guys, we like to tinker and we like to play around. Uh, so so it's a great place to go if, um, you know, you, you, first of all, if you can't afford to have someone build out a website for you um, or to hire, you know, a, a website developer, um, but you want a little more service and a little more specialized um, uh, service and 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 specialized uh, features than you know you would get from like a Squarespace or a Wix or something like that. I think TechSite Builder is a good middle ground. It uh, it's specifically built for computer business owners, and it gives you plenty of opportunities within uh, the platform to add all of the things that are important to you, like uh, list out your services in a in a beautiful way. Um, have make it easy for people to contact you. Um, put up all the important information like your phone number and everything front and center, so people are able to see that. Um, and and it leads them to that information very easily. And then, of course, we take care of you know make sure it's it's secure, make sure it's fast. And then we have uh, in the back end all of the SEO tools that you need to uh, to make your uh, website pop to the top of Google. Uh, so all that stuff is available in TechSite Builder for a low monthly fee. Uh, so just head on over to TechSiteBuilder.com, check it out, and uh, and let me know how it goes. Uh, but if you need a new website or your website needs refreshing or you just feel like it's not working well for you, uh, check out TechSite Builder at TechSiteBuilder.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the interview today. I have, uh, as I said before, Derek Champagne. He's the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution. It's a full-service agency building memorable brands, marketing tools, and campaigns for startups all the way to household brands. Derek's also the author of the best-selling marketing book, Don't Buy a Duck, and the host of the popular business leadership series podcast, uh, the popular podcast called uh, Business Leadership Series. And also, uh, he, um, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that airs week, uh, it's a weekly business show that airs on ESPN Radio regionally. Did I get that right? I, that's I, right. It's a podcast and a, and a weekly radio show. You got it. Very, oh, gotcha, gotcha. Oh, that's cool. So you, you're, you're syndicated out um, on the radio as well with right. that. That's awesome. Cool. Um, so let's, before we jump into kind of talking about branding, which is which is what our focus is going to be, um, I always like to just you know allow you to give folks uh, a little bit of an idea of your background and where you're coming from. So give you know doesn't have to be a quick elevator pitch, but just kind of a brief uh, overview of of your background and and what brought you to where you are today. Absolutely, love to. Uh, if you had told me 12, 15 years ago that I would be in Northwest Arkansas and have an agency that had been around for ten years, I would say you're crazy. Uh, <laughs> I've been an entrepreneur for most of my adult life. Uh, but my parents were also musicians in the 70s and early 80s. And I was on stage at the first time at three years old. First wow. time I went on stage to sing and be a part of performance. And it was just music and business. I just loved them both. And I couldn't really distinguish between the two. I just equally loved them both. So I'm while a some, musician myself. So I, I What do you I, play? I feel um, I originally a trumpet player. Cool. Okay. Um, and But I also picked up guitar and, and sing a little bit as well. Awesome. I'm, I play a few as well. So. Uh, so I had my first band at 11. And so you can imagine with a band back in the, in the, in the 80s and early 90s is all the promotions that go along with it. So I was always focused on how do I take this music or product and I watched my parents doing it and how do I connect it with an end user? Music's a great example of that. And so that was always my thought process. At 18 years old, when a lot of people were getting in trouble, my age, and I probably was too, but I was also focused on getting my first bulk mailing permit. And I was obsessed with sending out 200 media kits a month and doing all the other things that were growing and booking bands and, and things like that. So uh, I had the opportunity to move to Los Angeles when I was in my early 20s and go to Musicians Institute. And I had a marketing entertainment business out there. And uh, I, was in the, I was the bass player in Johnny Depp's club, The Viper Room, for a while. And we played the Sunset Strip. And we played all over the country. And I really got to hone my grassroots skills in that mm -hmm. place because... It's a very competitive market. Music is, you think you go out to Hollywood to play music and it's all just Hollywood from there. But really that's when all the pain starts. People pay mm -hmm. to play, bands are paying to play. So we found ways to cut through the clutter and make an impact. Fast forward a few years later and I got to do some fun things in the music industry that, that are in my bio, but I ended up going back to work for an agency. Uh, back in Northwest Arkansas, where I was originally from, my wife was an, an actress I'd met from New York and we met out in LA and somehow I convinced her to move back to this quiet life and 
And uh, we had an opportunity to do some cool things of building some sales tools, and we launched it nationwide. And I ended up working at an agency where our clients were Dial, T-Mobile, Rubbermaid, Crayola, clients like that. And uh, my passion was really in helping small businesses. And so in 2007, I actually branched off on my own to start the Artist Evolution. And again, we've celebrated 10 years a few months ago as an agency. Very cool. Yeah, that's. Uh, I, I love to hear kind of the genesis of of, of folks and and where they come from. And normally, it's they don't come from where they end up, right? It's right. it's something different. And then they along the way they they learn other skills or they, it morphs into something. Um, and yeah, I mean, being a musician myself and running in those circles, I know that if you can sell yourself as a musician. That that makes you a good marketer because it's tough. Right. You have and to. It's, you can't get discouraged. You have to constantly be solutions oriented. You have to find any new tool that's out there that works, and you get burned on some too. So you get a healthy uh, test of what works and what doesn't. So and you got to do it with very little money. <laughs> you got to do it with very little money. And so I learned to do things on a budget. I really did, and I grew up that way too. I grew up from humble beginnings, and everything was always. I always understood that to to do things the right way and to grow, you had to put the hard work in. And then there's the element of putting, building systems and processes and obviously understanding the marketing side. But in the last 10 years, I've had the opportunity to review over 1,000 brands, audit over 1,000 brands. So I've gotten this great right. test of what works and what doesn't. And there kept being these commonalities that kept popping up. And I'm talking from a startup to a billion-dollar brand. We kept finding these what I now call crisis points. And I write about in my book, and we talk about, I talk about the five crisis points in marketing where when, when early on in your business you identify them, you can save four or five years of guesswork. And when later on in your business, if you're stuck, if you identify these things from a marketing perspective, they can actually help you get to the next stage of your life cycle of your business and, and get absolute real traction. And so that's what I, I usually teach about is avoiding those five crisis points. Cool. Um, so I, you mind touching on a couple of those? I would love to. So the first yeah. one, and they sound simple. I hear people often say, that's simple, but I, must, I missed one of these. So if mm-hmm. you've got it down, awesome, congratulations. But I'm telling you, there's really, really darn good brands and businesses out there that have missed it. And you can probably think of some examples when I start sharing them with you. The first one is really understanding who you are. I call the brands Bermuda Triangle. We often see brands that don't quite know how to define themselves or what makes them different. And in your industries that I'm talking to, you've got some competition, right? So it makes yes. it even more important to understand who you are. When I say who you are, I mean really digging in and saying, here's what I'm going to offer. That's my unique value proposition that someone, an equal competitor cannot offer because this is my unique value. And if you're not sure what that is, you need to find it. It took me a few years to find it for my business. And if I hadn't, I may not still be here. The year after I launched my business, I'm based in Northwest Arkansas. That's where Walmart headquarters and Sam's and and other big industries are from. And Walmart had a Walmart had required that every vendor that does business with Walmart in the world has to have an office here in Northwest Arkansas. So you can imagine the boom of growth here that happened in this little country, little hill town in the middle of nowhere. And now it's a very great hotspot for entrepreneurialism. And uh, the year after I launched my marketing agency as an upstart musician, Walmart laid off 400 marketing professionals who were all very qualified to start their own agencies. A lot of them did. So you can imagine the saturation that I was in if I didn't find a way to differentiate myself. And I did. And most of those, if not all of them, are not around anymore. And we're, we're thriving and growing year over year because we so found a way to be different. Is part of understanding who you are um, also understanding like who you want to serve and who your ideal clients would be? Yes, and I want to talk about that. But, before, but first, yeah, absolutely, that's the second thing is understanding your target customer. Okay. As we look at defining ourselves, though, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to understand your competition. This is often overlooked, and that's part of knowing who you are. Part of knowing who you are is part of knowing who your category is, right? Who's in my category and what makes me different? I'm not asking you to do that to copy them. I'm asking you to do that so you can see where there's a gap in the marketplace for a unique message and for your unique service. So we do this with every client and with, with their competition, even some of your indirect competition. Go deep. What is the key messaging they're using? What are their testimonials and online reviews look like? How often are their customers engaging? What campaigns are they doing? What's on their blog? What's their PR campaign? What are they doing on social media? What are they doing for traditional media if, if you're in a geo, geographical type market with a brick and mortar, which a lot of you are? Then you wonder, what are they doing with TV and billboards and print? Are they doing trade out? What, how are they doing their business? How are they getting their advertising? Are they in magazines? Are they doing SEO or community involvement or promotional offers? Understand them really well and take a snapshot of them. We've gone in, in some industries and gone in and done secret shopper snapshots just to understand what they were doing because we needed to. Information is power. And again, it's not even to cut the legs out from under them, but it's to know where you stand so you have a unique voice. 
The second thing is exactly what you said. It's understanding. Again, it sounds obvious. Who's my avatar? Who's my target customer? You need to know that. But I want you to go deeper here as well. If you're in a relationship, if you have a significant other, if you have a spouse, you get to know them really well, don't you? If it's their birthday, I bet you know what they like and what they want to. I bet you if it's breakfast and you're making them breakfast, you know what they want to have for breakfast. I bet you know the type of place they want to stay. Why don't we do that same thing for our customers? We need to build a relationship with them. There's no shortcuts here, everybody. There's no shortcuts here. You have to actually, we can't even hide behind all digital and the mask. We have to actually build a real relationship. Yes, we can use the online strategies to bring them in, but we have to build a relationship. Go deep. What's their gender, their income, their ethnicity, their marital status, their religion, their Mm -hmm. education level? What stage of life are they in? You want to know how to talk to them based on what, are are they empty nesters? Are they parents that are with young children trying to just get from point A to point B? Are they business owners? What type of business owner? Who are they? What are their hobbies? Where are they geographically located? What are their buying patterns? What are their political affiliations? Get to know them. You can have a real conversation when you get to know somebody. So um, how, how would you answer the, uh, the question that someone would say, well, you know, I, I serve all different types of clients and like I, you know, I have every, every, you know, race, ethnicity, income type, they're all coming in the door and, and I don't want to, you know, uh, leave anybody out by focusing on too narrow. And I think that's great, but I would also want to look at that particular person to see how busy they are. Michael mm. Port wrote The Velvet Rope. I don't remember the name of the book, Book Yourself Solid. He talks about the velvet rope, and I talk about that in lectures often. Imagine, so yes, you have all of those, but all things being equal, and I'm not talking about race or ethnicity here. I'm talking about who's your ideal, who's your ideal customer. I don't even look who you have right now. Who would be the perfect customer? And don't say that you don't have one. You could. Well, they pay on time. They repeat business. They, they put me on a retainer. Uh, they, they let me come visit them. Whatever those things are, write those things out and start there. And, and then you, can, you actually are profiling your, even if you want to reach everybody, you can still profile who your tar, ideal customer is and start targeting them and watch how you see a flip in the type of customers that come in. And they may fit all the different gamuts you just mentioned, but there's a different mindset in how they work with you. Yeah. And, and once you get that, uh, and I found that in my own business, once you get that kind of clarified, then you, you magically start attracting that kind of client. And it's, right. it's, it feels like magic almost, but right. uh, really it's just because you end up, you know, speaking to that person a lot better than you were before. And, and if I can touch, that's a great point, Matt. If I can touch also on, on what you mentioned, why well, service everybody? Well, let's just make sure Let's make sure, let's write, out, let's write out all of those people as well. Let's do this exercise too. So we just did our ideal target customer. Now let's go look at who your existing customers are and let's list them all out. And let's look at what commonalities they have. Why are they buying from you? What are they doing? Let's understand that. And then let's right. make sure that we're, uh, that we're meeting their needs. And let's, they may need to go into different buckets or categories in how you talk to them. So if you want more of them and that's who you like, that's great. But find out why they're buying from you. Find out, find out some of those, those profiles still so you can get more, go get more of them. Nice. Great. Okay. So, uh, so we, we understand who we are. We dig deep. Uh, we look at the competition. We find kind of what, what, how we can stand out from them. Um, then we look at uh, who our target client is and we get that avatar together and, and we, we know, you know the type of client we're looking to attract. Um, and you know, the, I guess what, what would be the next step after that? Perfect. I'll tell you the next step. First of all, let me mention, here's one of the values that already happens when you really do that. Number one is you better identify how to talk to them. That's your messaging, right? Now you have a better idea of what to say. And we often see the messaging is missed or it's not written correctly or it just doesn't connect. And we see that be one of the disconnect points in a campaign of why the results aren't happening. So then you already have a better understanding of who you are and who they are. So you have a more authentic conversation. It solves, it helps solve some of your messaging challenges. It also helps solve what type of marketing you should do because you suddenly understand where they live and where they're hanging out. You have a better idea of their worlds now. So people come to me every day, Derek, Facebook doesn't work, does it? Tell them, tell them it doesn't work. Well, (laughs) tell who and why, and who are you trying to talk to? If you're trying to reach females 55 and older on mobile and Facebook ads with a a candle, you better use it. It's a great visual aid. Women 55 and older are driving mobile usage on Facebook. So, and now I know where they live. And so if that's my target, yes, Facebook's one of the things you should be doing. See, now that we have the whole understanding, it just, it gives us power as marketers. And my book, the whole point of my book is, is the subtitle is stop wasting money and only do marketing that works. And when we take this common sense approach, like I'm talking about, we can make better decisions. And early on, you were talking about being smart with your budget. So 
I think that's important. The third thing is what are your tools? Are you using the right tools? Mm. I can't tell you how often I see this. And when I say tools, let me clarify. Website, you talked about an awesome website option earlier. Great. Uh, your brochures, your, your advertising that's out in the, in the community, and maybe even your business card. I want to make sure that you're using the right tools for your campaign. Often, I've even seen big brands do this, bigger brands that we've worked with and talked them into fixing it. It was a small fix, but we'll see a brand get real clarity and here's who we want to reach, here's who we are, let's go out and get them. And they're like, uh, but these are the tools we have and they're not really where we want them. Just stuff this campaign into those tools. That doesn't really work and you're going to get mediocre results. So before you go launching all these crazy things, we've got really some smart tech people listening and that understand a lot of these things, make sure your tools work right. Make sure your brand looks good. Make sure your business card looks good. Make, does that make sense? Yeah. So what's like what's a concrete example of a tool that is doesn't work right for an industry or a brand? I'm going to give you an example of a name. Okay. A name that didn't work. We had a client that that came in and they were called. Uh, they had a, they had puzzle pieces. So that's their tool, their logo. They had puzzle pieces uh, as their logo, and their name was Enigma. It was an enigma because I couldn't figure out what the heck they did. Respectfully, <laughs> yeah. this was a, a several hundred thousand dollar brand that was growing each year, but just couldn't figure out how and why and, and why they were stalling. They were doing radio ads and going, that radio doesn't work. Really? I go right into audit mode. Why doesn't radio work? Hmm. Hour and a half, Matt, I sat with them to figure out what they did. It took that long. At the end of it all, we finally figured it out. They, de- they take these mansions and they literally de-brick, strip the mansion of every brick. They wrap a Tyvek, which is an insulation coat around it, they basically weatherproof the house and they brick it back up better than it was before. All these mansions, they're being built with these jagged edges and corners, right? And there's a lot of corners actually cut in the, in the, uh, in the, in the oh. building process, so there's leaks and mold happening. The bigger the mansion, the more jagged edges, the more mold possibility. These guys go in and fix that. Uh, Amgene, never, that wouldn't tell me that. And I finally said, oh, you guys are weatherproofing experts, aren't you? And they're like, yeah, guess what their name is now? <laughs> weatherproofing experts, weatherproofingexperts.com. Don't make it hard. Make sure your tools and everything works. And they want to keep those puzzle pieces. And we say, great, but let's make it clear. So think of like the, uh, the insurance company. We had the, we had a house and we put a brick, we put an umbrella that was puzzle pieces over the house. So now you see we weatherproof your house. We protect it. We're weatherproofing mm. experts. Take the guesswork out. Make yes. sure your tools work. It doesn't have to be complicated. We don't want to confuse. We want things to be easy. We have three to five seconds to get our target customer and let them know really fast if we're a fit for them or not. So if they brush up against you and your brand, let them know quickly if they're a good fit or not and make sure your tools work. And that, and it doesn't have to be complicated. This is actually really common sense thing, things that get yep. missed because we have so many shiny objects all the time in marketing that we start to second guess ourselves and, oh, let's go this way. Oh, now I need to build a funnel system. Oh, now I need to redo my logo. I just saw this thing on branding. Oh, Derek talked about branding. You're not going to hear me tell you to do anything other than to take a pause and make sure you're, that your crisis points are fixed. And I think, I think part of the issue with the, the tools also is we are, you know, we are experts in our field and we take that for granted and we assume that other people, uh, are, other people around us are going to understand um, the message we're trying to convey, like in, in your, in your, um, in your example, um, you know, it would be, uh, it's the same thing where, you know, we, we, we assume people know, you know, what, when we're using technology terms, what they mean or, um, something like that, where, you know, you have to always, and I think it would help with this is to put yourself in your, your potential client's shoes, some, you know, and, and think how they would think and then think of them seeing right. your, brand for the first time, what do you need to convey in that branding to get them to understand what you do? And that, that might fix some of those tool issues. Can I give you another simple, simple recommendation? Sure. That is often overlooked. It just, it drives me crazy now is this, I hear customers, uh, clients of mine often say when we first start working with them, well, I don't know what my customer thinks. And, and a few times we started making these things, we're like, oh, you know what? Let's ask them. <laughs> There's a novel idea. Go at, mm. If you have an existing business and you're not sure what your customers think, ask them. They'll tell you. They'll tell you. Ask them before they go on social media and share it or before they go and give a negative review. And, and that's a whole different thing. That's reputation management. But ask your customers and your target customers yeah. what they think. They will give you information every time. They want to be a part of the process and they want to help you improve. And that's a simple thing you can do. Yeah. And you just... Uh... A lot of times they won't volunteer that info, so you got to ask them because they don't want to, you know, be rude or or step out of bounds. And you just give them the permission to 
kind of, uh, you know, be honest with you. And, and yep, you'll definitely, they'll, they will. <laughs> <laughs> and be able so to what take are, what are the, uh, what are those last two, uh, those last two questions? We had who points? am I? We had who are they? We had understanding your tools. And the next one is having a plan. I have a chapter in my book that says mm. if marketing, and this is important, if marketing is not going according to plan, perhaps you don't have a plan. I see even very uh, successful companies who are kind of teetering and they don't have a plan. And when we come in and say, well, how is this going? Well, we started it, but then we stopped or we're not sure who was doing that. And then this person's wearing multiple hats. So they stopped doing that and they picked up this instead. And they were in marketing. Now they're a tech and there's just no consistency. So having a plan is critical. And we build, we build pretty sophisticated plans. We build integrated campaigns. And, and, but let me tell you how simple it can be. You, if you don't have one, I want to encourage you, please, today or tomorrow, before the weekend's over, if you have a business, you're running it without a plan, you need to take a pen and a piece of paper out and write a plan down. It can be that simple. It really can if you understand your target customer and you know what, where they're hanging out. But I want to encourage you to make a plan. Here's what we do when we make a plan. I have three categories that I like to see in a marketing plan. The first one here on the left side is external marketing. That's where our entire focus is on new customer acquisition. That's it. New customers, new customers. Everything we do here has a weight on it. If we're spending a dollar in this category, we expect a new customer at a certain dollar, a certain exchange rate. Okay, everything here is all new customer acquisition. The middle category is internal marketing. Depending on the industry you're in, and yours included, is you might have a finite amount of customers that you can outreach to. You can't just always be new customer acquisition mode and not retain them. I call that holes in the bucket. Don't just keep filling the bucket if there's holes in it because it costs a lot to fill the bucket and your, your existing customers, number one, they're 80% more likely to buy from you if they trust you and they're likely to refer you if you keep them top of mind and tip of tongue about your services and keep them happy. So take time first, first develop a good relationship with your existing customers. Cross pollinate, make sure they know the other services you offer. It's surprising, not anymore, but when, you, when I'll go do an audit with a company and I realize that they're their customers don't even realize the other services they offer. So they're coming in and doing a service here and then they're going hiring another company for that and they're coming back to them and they just never did the outreach. And yet they're spending all this money on the new customer acquisition for them to come in and then not know again about the other services. It's common. If you're doing that now, it's okay. It's common. These are common things that we see from, again, from startups to household names. So make sure you're doing a good job with your existing customers. Make sure they're happy. Make sure you're doing the reputation management. Make sure you're doing referral programs. Make sure you're doing things like your newsletters and things that keep them engaged where you can keep an open relationship with them, where you can offer them special services and all of those things. And then the other category is what I call our blue skies or our goodwill category. Whenever mm-hmm. I do any effort in this side, I'm not expecting new customers. So if I'm doing any energy here, I'm really trying to build the value of my brand in the communities that I want to be present in. Branding is just really what people know about me. And I, I really, when I consult with clients, if they get stuck on doing a certain print ad or something, I go, great, do that. But that's your blue skies category. And, you know, put some of your causal marketing ideas and things like that in that category. But don't necessarily expect it to be a direct return. We like those so things would, to all um, work in harmony. Going on podcasts, for example, be a, an example of, a, it, of that? It depends. It depends on what the business is. For me, hmm. sometimes it's a direct driver. We have an online marketing course. I've got a book. We have agency services. So whenever I go on a podcast... A lot of times I end up having business from it inside the funnel in some way or another. So for me, it's a great strategy to go on a podcast, but I also do, uh, I also do some things with, with, uh, with my pod, with my hosting, my podcast that are really just goodwill. When I'm putting something on the radio, I want the community to hear. And we're spotlighting the, the, uh, American diabetes association. And we're, we're doing other things that are not all about us. We're sponsoring things. We're sponsoring today. We had it. We sponsored or tomorrow we're sponsoring a golf tournament for the juvenile diabetes association. We're not even there, but our name is there. And I'm not expecting, I'm not waiting by the phone to see who calls because we sponsored that golf cart, right? So take the pressure off yourself and be careful where you spend. And be if you need new customers, which we all do, but if you need new customers, you put your focus and know that your growth happens on that new customer acquisition side. And then write out a plan. Say, here's the three to five things I'm going to do to do for new customer acquisition. And, And while we're on the subject, for those of you that are brick and mortar, I want to encourage you not to rule out some of the traditional media. I have a chapter in my book called The Yellow Pages Are Dead and Other Lies Businesses Tell Themselves. That's a very tongue-in-cheek thing because I do believe the yellow pages are pretty much dead. No offense to anybody out there if you're involved with the yellow pages. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so we every year diminish and diminish till it's just a listing now. But my point of that chapter is to say, hey, before you rule something out, see if it's a good fit for you first. Because newspapers are dead too. 
But we have a we have some clients that are that uh, have a an attorney that's mass tort campaigns, and we'll put a little two by four ad, and we'll get the, the the gentleman sixty plus to read that and then call in, or somebody that needs a dental implant, they'll read that and call in. So don't don't just rule something out because someone told you it's not working anymore because you don't. Just make sure you understand if it might be an affordable platform for your target. And on the Great. on the radio and TV side of things, don't rule that out because sometimes a megaphone, if you have a brick and mortar location, sometimes having a megaphone in your community like TV or radio can be a great fit for you. Mm, excellent. Yeah. And, and this just kind of goes to uh, Jay Burley uh, left a comment here under the video saying that he can't agree more about the, the planning, but he just wanted to reiterate that you don't just write a plan. You build it, you test it. It's more right. than just words on a page. And you got to try some of those different things and, and, and just kind of get yourself out there and try radio, try TV, try print, try online and, and see what works and, and keep iterating. But it starts with the plan. It starts with the list. And then it's, it's an, it's an evolution from there, I guess. Absolutely. And if I can share the last point in, in those five yep. crisis points, and that's execution. Execution. Ah. We see, we see most things live and die by execution. Our agency are called the execution specialist. Somebody coined us that. And that's where we made our differentiator because it's not the sexy work in marketing. Marketing, the sexy work is to come up with something cool, but nobody wants to execute it. So we, with yeah. our clients, we're like, come on, we're just whip them. Come on, let's get this done together. And so execution is everything. Creativity without implementation, without strategy, implementation, and consistent execution means nothing. It means nothing. They're, they yeah. have to meet. They have to meet. And so creativity is great, but come over here to the execution side. And let me, I'm going to use a football analogy, even though I'm a common, I'm a common sports fan, but it just works so well is, you know, everybody wants to see the, the Hail Mary where they throw it 90 yards and someone catches it in the end zone. That's not yeah. how marketing usually works to your, to your uh, last comment to, to their credit. And it doesn't always work where you on the kickoff, you run it for 90 yards. Most yeah. of the time, good football happens first downs at a time. You make a first down, you make a first down, you quarterback your campaign really well. You know who your players are. You're intentional. Yes, you're trying things, but you know it works in general because you understand your team and you understand who you're trying to reach. And when you do first down, first down, first down, you look back, you are closer to your objectives. You're closer to getting the traction that you need. It works. I'm telling you, I'm a huge I'm, I'm the preacher of execution and, and, I, and, and I, you live and die by execution in all of your marketing, no matter what it was. Most things we see fail are stopping. I love that analogy because I think a lot of folks um, fall short on execution because they get discouraged or they get scared because, you know, discouraged because they try a couple little things and, and they don't see any direct return or immediate um, response. And then they're like, well, I just give up. Um, you know, I'm going to go back to, to washing dishes or whatever right. they and were they doing. get emotional about it. And you can't yeah. get emotional. Be, be emotional. And this is, I have a chapter in the book called uh, getting married should be an emotional decision. Marketing should not <laughs> be emotional, be emotional in your caring about your business, be passionate, but don't be emotional in your, in your strategy. You, they don't work. Emotion and strategy are, they're conflicting. It's oil and water. It doesn't work. Right. And so what you want to do is have a good plan and you want to be, you, I use Maslow's hierarchy of needs as an example sometimes if, if you're operating at the bottom of the pyramid you're in caveman mode you're in survival yeah. mode food water shelter you can't you can't be strategic that way but right. if you plan if you act from the top of the pyramid you can be a great strategic business owner and i have a i have a uh, a uh, acronym that i've coined and i share this in the book too and it's called petmag p-e-t-m-a-g and when you follow petmag you can be strategic and not emotional with your business that's plan execute track measure adjust and grow. And I, I watch which stage I'm in. That's pet mag. And I'm happy to share, mm. share a, a graphic of that plan, execute, track, measure. That's part of the process. Everybody adjust and grow. And mm. then we don't have to get emotional about it. We know we're just in the different stages of adjusting and measuring our campaign. All right. And you can, you can identify where you are and, and that kind of helps, helps you feel good about wherever you are in that process. Absolutely. Awesome. So, you know, uh, Great stuff. I mean, uh, that that alone is going to, I think, give lots of uh, ideas to folks and and things for them to go back and chew on. Something I actually wanted to touch on at the beginning, but I forgot to, was just you know what is what what is when we say branding, what does that mean exactly? Is that everything in marketing? Is that your logo? I mean, you, people think of branding in different ways. Yeah, here's how I like to find branding. It's what your it's what your ideal customer knows about you. Mm. It really can be that simple. It can. Yeah. And I need it. Guys, everybody, I'm a business, small business owner just like you are. 
Mistakes are costly for me. Making bad decisions cost me too. So I understand. I feel the pain of making bad decisions. I get it. And, and it doesn't have to be complicated. My mission and what I do in marketing and branding, and we do it, we do it from household big companies too, is to make it simple. And again, it, we don't need to complicate it. We don't need to have big words for it. Distill it down to what it actually is. Yes. How do we get results from it? Branding is what people know about you. So here's something cool, and it has to be authentic. But in branding, if you're authentic with it, you get the chance to help shape perception about who you are. That's not being dishonest. That's being intentional. Be right. intentional about shaping perception. So if you're a new brand, great. If you, if you have a negative reputation, well, great, fix that and change it. So we do exercises that say, how do I want to be perceived? What are adjectives and moods and emotions? I know this sounds hokey, but it works. When, when somebody interacts with my brand, what do I want them to feel? I want them to feel, I want them to feel success. I want them to feel relieved. I want them to feel like there's a burden that just came off their shoulders because I'm going to help them with the heavy lifting. I want them to feel like they don't have to worry about it anymore. I've got this. I want them to feel like I'm part of the family. Write those things out and then act intentionally and help shape that and be consistent in living that. That's what a brand is. I love it. Act intentionally. That's a, that's a great kind of subtitle for this, uh, this, this podcast episode. And I think this is something that, you know, a lot of, of, uh, folks listening to this might just be starting out or might be, you know, run into business part time. And they think, well, branding is something that, you know, Coca-Cola and Nike do, and it, I can't apply it to my business. But I think, you know, the, the way you described it right there, how you want your customers to perceive your business and how that you want them to feel. Um, uh, I think that's super important. Something that you got to kind of get started with right away from the get go. Yeah, and keep in mind, Nike, if you know the story of Nike, I won't get into it, but that was kind of a mistake the way it happened. And it's not this, I'm, I hear clients say that all the time, I want the, the logo like Nike. It, it wasn't, look at brands like GoDaddy. Let's be honest, GoDaddy's logo is not great. <laughs> That's right. But they've got a recognizable brand and they don't yeah. care because they're doing it well. And they, it's the way they built yep. the perception around what they're doing. And I'm not even, I'm not even uh, an advocate for GoDaddy, but that's just an example. Nike, the same way. Coca-Cola, you know how much time they put in? The, the bottling company, I think it was the 30s, and I talk about this in my book, they, they commissioned a company, a bottling company, to crush, they wanted their logo so identifiable that if it was crushed on the side of the road, you would still know it was Coca-Cola. <laughs> and tell me, have you ever not recognized a Coca-Cola can or a bottle when you've seen it smashed? Yeah, they I mean, did that intentionally right over the away. last 60, 70 years and spent a lot of money on it. And, and so there's kind of a diminishing return that way. You don't have to be Coca-Cola or Nike. Deliver on the things that you promise. Know what makes you different. And act, again, like we said, intentionally and authentically. And do it with consistent execution with excellence. Love it. So I, I, I take it um, folks can find a lot of these insights in your book, Don't Buy a Duck. What, what, is, the, uh, what is behind that title, first of all? <laughs> My book is Don't Buy a Duck. It's a hit bestseller on Amazon. It's done very well. And it's because I just talk just like this to you. And I share lots of real world examples of brands awesome. like Nike and Starbucks and Coca-Cola. And then a ton of real examples from my own clients I share. Um, and I go through all these tried and true principles. The duck is a, is a real duck. When I was eight years old, my mom always growing up had one of these cars. The feature, every car she got had the same feature. And that is whenever we passed the yard sale, it would just turn over and park and just eject us into the yard sale. She was, she loved yard sales. If some of you out there can relate to having a family member that goes to every yard yes. sale, whether you need something or not. And I was eight years old. I had $5 in my pocket, hard earned $5. My brother did as well. I went around the corner and the stars aligned for me. There was a real duck looking up at me, had a string on its webbed foot. I named them quackers right then. Why wouldn't you name a duck quackers? I said, mom, I need this duck. And she knew something I did. And she said, are you sure? Are you sure you want to spend your money on this? And I said, I got to have it. So she let me buy it. My brother and I pulled our money. I put it in the car. They call it buyer's remorse. Everybody can relate. It's a designer dress you bought. It's a TV. It's a car. The purchase itself was more fun than getting the product in the car. Just that impulse buy. And about that time, this duck went nuts in our station wagon. It was a 1984 Oldsmobile station wagon with a wood paneling, yard sale chariot. And it felt like an albatross in the car flying around. We were able to get it safely into the neighbor's pond. It lived out its days there, but not with us. And that was my first lesson in not buying a duck. And business owners, all of you out there just starting out, you're going to get hit with opportunities. The next time you open, when you're in Facebook right now, you're going to see opportunities for some new funnel. When you go outside, you're going to see something else. You're going to get a call at your business to sponsor a Little League team or to, or to buy Girl Scout cookies, whatever it is. You're going to get hit with, you're going to get called by advertising agencies tomorrow. And you are going to hit all week, every week with ideas and ways to spend your money. And my suggestion is don't buy a duck. Do these five principles that we talk about. I encourage you to read the book. It's 110 pages, I believe, and it's an easy read. And 
in the book, I say, hey, before you spend anything else, just make sure that you understand these principles because you you can be a smart marketer and you can be empowered like like the others that are making good decisions, but just make sure that you understand your role and how you're relating to your customers and how you're spending and what you're buying. Very cool. So we will uh, put a link to the book in the show notes. I've already added it to my to read list. Um, so awesome. Looking forward to checking that out. Um, so great. I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. Uh, thanks for um, all the great insights. Now, if folks wanted to reach out to you or learn more about you or um, you know, check out what you have to offer, where can they find you? Absolutely. I've got a couple things I want to share. One is the duck, obviously, is you can go to your show notes or don'tbuyaduck.com. I have a video trailer about the book. Uh, I have a DIY course because I heard that you your audience likes DIY things. Yes. I have an online marketing course. My wife and I, she's an expert marketer. Her and I worked really hard. And for the last all summer, we, we have 40 videos, 25 worksheets, and a 38-page marketing plan template at champagnemarketingcourses.com. We built that together and launched it two weeks ago. That is a wow. DIY approach. We walk you through all the things they're talking about today in detail. We help. We show you how to write press releases. We show you what type of media to choose and when, if you should do TV or not. We show you uh, the different types of Google AdWords. We show you how to build your brand effectively. We show you how to write messaging. And then we provide you with a plan at the end, even writing a content calendar out for a year. We have it all right there in that place. So that's a great resource. And then if you have a business right. that's looking for help of some kind and you want just to you want to say, hey, I don't know where I'm at, but I'd love to know. We have a free marketing assessment at assessmymarketing.com and there's no obligation and someone from my team helps walk you through and says here's what you probably should look at doing next and then you're welcome to look at the next steps and options. Oh very cool. I think that's uh, I love getting those those types of audits and assessments because you really need the 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 view of a, of you know an outside person and and an expert to to kind of you know e- even if you you feel like you've gotten all your your eyes dotted and t's crossed um, normally they'll find something uh, through those that, that you can improve and it's usually very eye-opening. Great. Excellent. So we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, Derek, I appreciate it. Good luck to, with everything you got going on and let's, uh, let's keep in touch. Matt, thank you. And thank you to your audience too. You guys are in great hands with Matt and I appreciate uh, all that you're doing in, in bettering yourselves with your business. Uh, appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Computer Business Marketing Show. Let's keep the conversation going, though. Head on over to computerbusinessmarketing.com. Let us know what you think of this episode in the show notes. Uh, at the bottom of the show notes, we have a, a comment section or jump over to Facebook in the, in the Computer Business Marketing Group. Um, we love to hear back from you guys. We love the interaction on the Facebook Live, um, that's been going on. Uh, so we just, you know, always love to hear from you. Um, don't forget about the Facebook group, Computer Business Marketing, uh, the Computer Business Marketing Group. Uh, we can give you access to that. Just search for it in Facebook. Uh, and then, of course, if you listen to the podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, be sure to leave a review. Um, any review you leave helps uh, bump up the podcast in the uh, rankings there on those platforms. And then more people can listen. We can get uh, more awesome guests. And it's a win-win. Um, we did get some new reviews. Uh, I forgot to read them this episode. I'll read them next episode. I love reading the reviews we get from you guys, and we got a nice little boost from Bruce Corson in the Computer Business Marketing Group. He reminded you guys to, to leave reviews, and you guys uh, came out for him, so appreciate that, and we'll, we'll get those read uh, next week. Uh, finally, don't forget to uh, check out uh, our sponsor, TechSiteBuilder at TechSiteBuilder.com. Thanks, guys, again for checking out the Computer Business Marketing Show. My name is Matthew Rodella saying, here's to your success. <laughs>